Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What's up, my dudes? This is a great podcast with, it's kind of like going back down to the basics of, uh, you know, leash walking, dogs coming up and approaching you, and what's appropriate when we go out. Should I let my dogs meet other dogs? How do I tell people no? Uh, How do I read the situation? So it's really just a wholesome, good old, basic, uh, nice dog training podcast about an individual that's been dealing with dogs attacking them or coming after them on walks and the dog liking some people, but also not liking other people. Um, And yeah, so it's good. So at the end of the podcast, I'm going to be answering your listeners' questions. So if you guys are listening to this right now, head over to the iTunes review chart leave a review and I will answer your question on the next podcast. If you're listening to this on Spotify, it would mean the world to us. If you left us a review, we appreciate you a lot. Let's get into the podcast. Um, this is my dog. This is Copper. He's a golden retriever. Copper. Yeah, he's a good boy. And he's had a couple homes before me. He's from um, New York and his first home was a family that I don't think the dad really wanted him. So they just left him outside for like his whole first year. Mm -hmm. Like they would bring him in for a night, but just the whole first year outside. And then, um, somehow they got connected with my grandparents who live, um, I'm in Florida. And so then my grandparents ended up like adopting him from them, but they're like in their eighties. And so he was just a lot of dog for them. Like, they didn't walk him they would put him like just with a collar um and they would have him pull their two-seater bike around the neighborhood and so like just no heel or anything and anytime they would try to walk him he was just like gone yeah Um, and then my nana was playing fetch with him and she threw the ball but didn't let go of his leash and she broke her collarbone. And so at that point I was like, listen, I'll take the dog. Um, I had just bought my own home. And so it was just good timing and stuff. And so he was two and now he's like four and a half. And so like, he didn't have any sort of training as far as obedience or anything, but he's really smart. And so it didn't take a lot for me to teach him like, sit I mean all the basic obedience stuff and um I kind of keep up with it through just like fetch and just different games like making him stay when I throw the ball like stuff like that and so he's he's obedient um I would say like 80% of the time and 20% of the time it's either because he's stubborn or afraid yeah um and then with people, we have great interactions with people and with some dogs, we have good interactions with some dogs. And so I feel like the capacity that we like have to live life at is good. Like we're making do with what we have to do. Like he's around kids. It's good. He's around people and like dog friends and plays good. Um, where I'm struggling is he's kind of picky about which dogs he likes, which wouldn't be a problem 
because I don't take them to dog parks or like anything, right. but on walks, it's really been a challenge because, um, like usually like I've tried to, I've watched your videos for a long time and like a couple more. So I know about like threshold training. So I've just tried to like increase, um, his capacity over time for like how close he can be to a dog without like going on alert or growling. Um, but sometimes I just like turn the other way if I can. Um, because it's just like kind of managing it. And I don't feel like I'm the most confident and like he's 80 pounds. So I'm just like, what can I do to enjoy the walk? And, um, I've kind of accepted that he's not going to be like, he's not going to be the farmer's market dog where I'm taking him through and like, it's easygoing. But, um, I feel like we had gotten to a pretty good place of, um, like we would, of just like living on a walk where we could see a dog and, and just coexist. And then, um, in my neighborhood, there's just a lot of off leash dogs that irresponsible owners will leave their door open and probably seven or eight times we've been charged by dogs in the past two years. And I'll just, um, sorry, (laughs) I'll just like try to move him out of the way. I have a harness and like, I'll yell at the other dog. And most of the times, like sometimes the dogs have stopped. Um, it always happens to be just like a pretty BA dog that's coming at us, Rottweiler or Pitbull. It, that's what it's been every time. And, um, so I've just like lift him up. Cause I know that like, he, like that is a trigger for him. If a dog is coming at him, he is in the fight mode. Like he's not in the flight mode. He's going to fight. Sure. Um, but he hadn't like engaged actual contact when this has happened, except for then last week, a pit bull charged at us and it started to come at him and he bit the pit bull. Um, and like held it, he bit him on his face and held on for like 10 seconds and then let go. And then the pit bull ran away and the pit bull is fine. Um, like as fine as it could be after that. And, um, he was fine, but I feel like it kind of pushed him back or that's my fear. Um, because there's only like so much I can control. Like I can't control the off leash dogs and I can't necessarily control his personality, but I can help him navigate in those times or like, like try to help him. And so I guess like, I'm just on edge on walks now. Um, like the house was right across the street from me where the dog just like ran out of their door across the street to us. Um, and so there's really, there's no way for us to go on walks without passing a house like that, but whether it's that house or another house, like, you know, regardless, it's still just the issue of like, if off leash dog comes, it's not going to be good weather. Unfortunately, like, I feel like it's in his head now, whether it's a nice dog or not. Um, but it's not a one size fits all, which is what's kind of hard for me, it's like he he does get along with dogs, but it's just like context kind of a thing. Um, so that's where I could just really value your advice because um, like that's it's just really hard to 
like train him in that because it's less like training and more yeah finesse yeah and and i I think what you what you said was really good about um it um you can't really you know train him for those situations just because it's uh there's, there's not much you can do but like you said uh he will make a decision on how to behave out of context and that's mm-hmm. that's life. That's what yeah. we do. It's cold out, you put a jacket on. It's hot out, you take the jacket off. You know, so and so on and so forth. And so if he's out for if he's out for a walk and he's in a neighborhood where pit bulls and rottweilers are constantly running out their door to try to fight him, he's not going to have enjoyable experience just because that's that's the realities. It's like living in a I mean, it's 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 just living in constant anxiety for him because he doesn't know what what when it's going to happen. It's like playing. It's like going in a one of those like haunted houses, and mm-hmm. you know during Halloween is you just don't know who's going to pop out and when, and so you're just walking through with your heart rate like, you know. So it's it's it is really challenging. So like you said, there's really not much that you can do under those circumstances. Um for him and his training, because if a dog is coming out to try to kill him, he's going to protect himself. And there's, that's, I mean, uh, when it came down to it, I mean, obviously like your job is to try to get the other dog away. Um, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't always happen. And then you just have to, you know, play, play it by ear after that. But the only other option in that scenario is obviously just being more, like on the defense with things that you can purchase. So uh, the pepper spray and all that stuff, things like that. Um, but again, that's, that's, he's still going to be on edge. So if the problem is, it sounds to me like the problem is how to build confidence after these things have happened. And the only yeah. way, to, the only way to really build confidence, I think in most of these scenarios is to do the, go through the task again and it be more enjoyable than it be not enjoyable. So, you know, like if you went to a park and you loved it and the next time you loved it and then, or a restaurant and you loved it and you loved it. And then you had one bad meal or you had one bad experience with a crazy person at the park. It may sit sour at that point and be like, I don't really know about this place anymore. And that's kind of like what he's thinking. He's like, I don't really know about this whole walk thing anymore. This kind of, you know, and your job is to say, no, let's just go back. And you're like, oh, yeah, it's great. Oh, yeah, it was great. Oh, it's great. So that's really how to start building out that confidence with a dog who has been threatened basically every time or oftentimes when he goes out for these walks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just make it an enjoyable experience. But to be honest, it's like, I also would not be, I it just, if, if, okay, instead of giving you advice, I would just say, what would I do? If I, if my neighborhood that I lived in right now and I walked out and even if it was 30% of the time I went for a walk with my dog, I had a dog come out running after me. I would not walk in my neighborhood with my dog. I just wouldn't, mm-hmm. it's not worth it because yeah. You just don't know what fight is going to lead to much more, you know, with you. That's and, it. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, I mean, it's, it's like, again, it's like you, you go to a restaurant three times and it sucks and you're like, I'm not coming here anymore. And I, but it's, I mean, obviously it's a lot easier to do that than not walk your dog, but, 
Like personally. Yeah. That's how it would be for me. I would just find that physical. It sucks to say, but if you're, if you're in a neighborhood where even like 20%, two times out of 10 walks, you're getting charged by a pit bull or a Rottweiler on your walk. I, I wouldn't, I just, I mean, if I, even the first time that happened, I wouldn't even walk by that house ever again. Well, and see with this specific house, it's like, it's like, um, literally like diagonal out my window. And so there's no way for me to like, yeah, not. And so it's either been like, right as that it's been right as I've been coming home. And this has happened like three times in the two years that I've lived here. And the first two times I was able to like stop her dog. Like the dogs weren't happy, but it was no like contact. But this time, is it just that one house? It's that, well, for that specific instance, it's happened, but like, it's no, it's like random houses in the neighborhood, but I've known like which ones. And so I can like kind of, I've been driving since that happened a few weeks ago, driving like down the neighborhood a little bit to like side where there's not that because yeah, that's yeah. I don't trust the lady. And when it happened, she was like, I don't know why my dog keeps taking off after your dog. I'm like, well, I mean, it's just frustrating because the time it's an accident, the third time, like, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, no, totally. Um, but then at the same time, he's just like, he's just like, not, he's not a good walker. And that's just been his thing. Like I, I have tried every trick under the sun, but not the right one because it hasn't worked yet. Um, so I walk him with a front clip harness, but it has a back clip. And so I'll just, I'll use the front clip sometimes, but the harness gets loose. Um, it just doesn't, I don't know if it doesn't fit well, but like, when he came to me, they had like a bag full of stuff. Like they had a slip lead, prong collar, um, like every single type of gentle leader, all that. But he like for his, like, I would say first three months, like he would just do that crazy choking, panting sound on the leash all the time, because that's what he did when he was like pulling the bike. And so I remember telling my grandparents like this isn't normal like you can't walk in two feet without him sounding and they're like no that's fine but I'm like no so I got him to the point where like collar or anything he he's not like on the go 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 like he's with me and we can have just like a a decent walk he knows um he knows heel he just doesn't always choose heel um if he would rather do something else. And so that's where it's like, I would love a little perspective because he, like when we go to a new place, he is just gone. Like if it's the familiar streets, he's great on a heel or just like decent on a walk, but the new places he loses his mind. And then I'm like, I just don't feel like I have the control that would be good for him. And then there's also just like new people and he like some people, he just is like, whatever, like, hello. And then some people he'll give a growl at. And I'm like, why are you doing this copper? Like it's not consistent enough to like, to warrant a pattern of behavior on what he is feeling uncomfortable about. But yeah. 
It yeah, yeah. just walks are his, walks are his thing that I just can't quite figure out. Yeah. So if you feel like he knows the heel well, and he's still not healing when you ask him to, especially when you're in environments that he is overly stimulated in, that mm-hmm. is typically only because of one thing, which is enforcement, which mm-hmm. is a, which is AKA accountability, AKA what's the consequence if I don't listen. So yeah. that's typically, if anybody comes to me and says, my dog knows the behavior really well, they just pick and choose when they want to listen. Mm-hmm. I could almost say almost every single time um, it's, it's because of using to enforce the behavior. The dog is not, it doesn't care about it, right? Because that's, if we have an animal that has four legs and a prey drive and is really busy and is four years old, so we're not super old or anything, we're just looking to live life and sniff everything and be excited. There's nothing that we can do to just say, hey man, just walk nice. The dog's, oh, Oh, just yeah. walk. Okay, just walk nice. So mm-hmm. I think, again, like out of the, you know, typically when I talk to people, they don't have heel. They don't know what heel is. The dog has never been introduced to leash pressure. So we have to start with the puppy stuff first and then build it up. But if he knows heel and he's just not listening under those circumstances, that's just because of the enforcement. So mm-hmm. outside of that, there's also another thing that, a lot of dog owners forget to do, which is the break command. So just making making sure that you have a fair break in between your healing patterns to give the dog an opportunity to be a dog. And those two things alone are typically like single-handedly the only reason why dogs don't walk yeah. nicely is because when you get to a new place, like the first thing I do, especially with the dog like copper that's like yeah we're here i just mm-hmm. copper break give him a minute to a couple minutes to you know breathe all the new stuff up and mm-hmm. and then it would be okay copper heel it doesn't have to be like if i show up to a place and there's a bunch of people or dogs around me it doesn't have to be that i just typically so tip so that's what will happen is people will have an unrealistic heel and yeah. they don't give the dog the break therefore the dog just gets really frustrated and just tries to Basically, they play keep away. They're like, I'm just going to pull until I have to leave. Instead of understanding yeah. that if they just walk nicely, they're going to get a break. But yeah, that, so that's those are the two things. So my suggestion is, you know, I'm not, um, it, to me, it's not so much about what equipment you use. It's what works. And there's just been equipment over the past that has been uh, time and time again effective and then not. And harness. I, yeah. I don't ahead. have a. And I, I'm not like sold on my way and not sold on another way. Anything that works, I just don't know what works kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. Same. Exactly. Me too. I like, if you came over here and you're like, Hey man, this bottle, this can of water just really makes my dog walk nicely. I'm like, all right, let's go. Like, I don't, I don't care at all what we use. Uh, I just know what works and what doesn't. And so the harness is typically, so harnesses were created and invented for dogs to pull safely. And so if they're wearing the harness, that 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 helps them pull and without so so it makes sense, right? It's like I have a and I saw the video of him. He's not small. So we have a you know, nice size golden and we put a piece of equipment on him that helps him pull and you're like, "Hey, he's just 
pulling too much. Yeah. So yeah. what I would do is, um, I would I would start with like the slip or the prong collar and start start teaching him how to. So the first thing I do with a dog that really doesn't have, they've never really been held accountable correctly, is I start I just start with like directional change stuff. So I'll so I'll get the dog on a leash, and so if I'm if I'm if the dog is at my left side and we're about to go outside or we're about to be inside, you can even do it tonight. And you say, okay, copper heel. I'll typically walk like three steps forward and then I'll turn at my heels and go 180 the other way. And when I turn, I'll say copper heel. Now, typically, depending on what environment you're in, the dog will continue to go straight as you go that way. And then they get that pop on the collar. And that's, and you do that like three or four times. And typically after that, the dog is like right at your side, paying attention to you. Okay, so like the whole 180s. So with his collar, I did that like for a couple months. Just 180s heel, he turns. But like once he turns, unless I have something that engages him, whether it's like the toy, the treat, he just is kind of inconsistent Mm -hmm. with his heel. And I think that's my biggest frustration is like I, I probably am not correcting or like with the prong or the slip, I'm not using those because I was afraid to use it wrong and like hurt him wrong. Um, but he he can do like the whole turn and heel thing. Yeah. Th- so the the tune up or the calibration is something I've been I've been doing now, uh, and it's just it, it's not it's not necessarily something to make the dog heal or even teach the dog heal. It's just the first thing I do to get the dog's attention. So I don't use it sustainably to teach the dog how to walk nicely. I just basically take this untrained dog who doesn't know how to walk on a leash properly. And instead of going straight and going heel, crack, heel, crack, heel, crack, what I do is I make these little 180 calibrating turns to say, hey, come over here. And then the dog catches up. And then I say, okay, come over here. And then that tunes the dog up really nicely. And then from that, um, what I do is I I then um, work with the dog uh, f- in moving forward. So then uh, then I would then work on heel. So I, I create this invisible line in front of me. And then as I move forward, I say heel. And then if the dog's chest passed that, that, mm-hmm. pr- that, that point, and then the, the dog would get corrected. I would say the majority of times – let me rephrase – the mm-hmm. the mistakes that a lot of people make when doing this exercise is having the right fit prong collar or a slip collar or any mm-hmm. type of collar really if it's not fit right it won't work like at all it's like any anything else you're like looking for a charger i'm like that's not the right one it won't work it's a charger mm-hmm. so you're you're you you're using the collar but it's not it's not the right one it's not fit right so that's typically the biggest issue is people not having the collar sitting in the right position. Mm-hmm. So there's that. And if you have the collar sitting in the right position, you should be using far more precision over power. So our goal is, isn't to hurt the dog. The goal mm-hmm. is, isn't to pull the dog back. The goal is, is to basically correct the dog. Like if you're driving and you go off the road and you hit the rumble strips, mm-hmm. it's for you to, Oh, back over this way it keeps you in line 
That's exactly what the prong collar should do. So as soon as the dog's chest passes your legs, that's where the correction snap, snap. So it's this boom, boom. It like, it does that little pop on the collar. And obviously the prong collar is going to be the safest collar to use uh, in this scenario, just because it evenly distributes that pressure and it gives the dog the precision correction. And then what you're, what you're doing right now with the harness is hanging on. So it doesn't teach the dog anything because there's no, there's no accountability with it. Right. So if a dog's like, Hey, I want to pull you as a human can't say, well, no, you can't yeah. without accountability, right? So if you're trying to give a dog a consequence or you're trying to enforce something mm-hmm. without consequence, it doesn't work. It's like, I, hey, I really want that. And you're like, you can't have it. And you're like, well, what's going to happen if I take it? Nothing. That's mine. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. so you just – so having that consequence right when he passes your legs. And I've done this demonstration a lot of times. So here's what typically happens, which may be happening with you is the prong Mm -hmm. collar is sitting too low and it's too big. And then he pulls you and then he's in front of you and then you lose all your leverage and then you shelf it. You're like, this thing doesn't work. And so, so once the prong collar fully engages, it Mm -hmm. just, it's disabled. It doesn't work anymore. So I think a lot of people think that when the dog puts pressure on the prongs, that's the correction and the dog yields to that. And that's, that doesn't, nope, that's not how it works at all. The prong, yeah. the prong collar actually works when you pop it like, like this and it comes together. And so that's why it's really important to have the leverage of the leash. I have a leash right here. I'll show you. So if you're walking with your dog and let's say, uh, I'll show you with this water can. Like, let's say that you're walking with your dog, and then as soon as the dog passes the can, like mm-hmm. if you go tight, right? So your your leash gets tight, therefore your prong collar gets tight, and mm-hmm. the dog starts to pull. You, if you're pulling back, it's the same thing as a harness. It doesn't work. It disables. Mm-hmm. So you have to for that. Yeah, exactly. So what you do is as the dog is walking and they get to this, like, I kind of like, I don't know if you played the game back in the day operation or it's like, Mm -hmm. you you know, you hit the side is like, it's literally like the same thing. As soon as the dog starts to get at that threshold of I'm about to pass you once the dog's chest or shoulders is past your legs, that's when they typically will just tumble down. They'll just keep going and you lose that leverage, especially with a big, dog like yours like they're powerful that's why the harness yeah. is like probably really challenging because and that's why your nana broke her collarbone <laughs> it's not a small dog so as the so yeah so so two things is as the leash is passing that threshold right and let's just again say for easy training purposes that this can so the leash passes this threshold it gets close i typically will go ah uh-uh, like like kind of like mm-hmm. a warning, like uh, uh, you're getting to that point, uh, uh, right? So you start, mm-hmm. and then I go, uh, uh, and then as soon as the dog like continues to disregard of like, yeah, don't tell me, it's the quick little pop, pop. But mm-hmm. you have to make sure that your lo- your leash is loose like this. So there's a like a J or a U in the leash. And as mm-hmm. soon as the dog starts to pass that threshold, you go, uh, uh-uh, pop, pop. And then the dog typically will go, whoa, 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 what was that? Yeah. Now, now again, what happens is you're out for a walk, the dog pulls, and you pull back. And th- and again, that's – I think so many people 
Um, rightfully so. I think that the whole, like, the prong collar is this, like, barbaric razored thing. I totally get it if that's what people think it is. Like, it's crazy mm-hmm. to me that people think that. But I'm like, oh, yeah, like, not everybody does this for a living. So... So a lot of people will think that they put the prong collar on and they're like, oh, as soon as the dog puts pressure here, they're going to back up. And they're not sharp at all. They're rounded. It's not intended for that. Dogs have two coats and it's really tough to actually do anything to penetrate them, to like give them that pressure. What it does is when you pop it, instead of the harness, like harnessing the dog's chest and internal organs or a flat collar just sitting on the larynx or trachea and choking the dog out, the prong collar sits right in the muscles right behind the ears. And when you pop it, it distributes those pressure points all the way around. And mm-hmm. so you can you can handle a 80 to 150 pound dog with one finger. You just, and you just pop the leash. It's kind of like setting a hook, uh, when you're fishing, you just, it's a quick thing. Um, you just really quickly. And so those are the big mistakes that a lot of people make on the prong is they, they kind of wait for the dog to pull. And then we pull back and we're like, this thing isn't working, which I get and not, it doesn't come with instructions. It's not like, you know, and unless you either hear it from me or somebody else say like, Oh no, this is, you got to pop it. You got to distribute the pressure. And then again, if it's, if it's not fit right, it, yeah. won't, it won't work. I haven't even used, that's the one tool I like have, but haven't used just because I just don't know how. Well, now yeah, I yeah. do. But, yeah. You um, don't want to do it wrong. I get it. And like, I guess my question is if there is things that he's reactive to on the walk, which there are sometimes like with the prong, if he starts to want to pull somewhere, is that going to be a problem? Like, or with a, with a slip, you know, like when does it become less of a training tool and more of like, well, I can't hold you with a prong collar. Well, again, the, the, the prong collar is to enforce your heel. So when, when we, when we talk about enforcement, um, so again, like that's, so we talk about reinforcement, it's, it's, um, this is what's on top of it for doing the right things. Like, so positive reinforcement is, uh, is when, you know, you sit and you say, good, sit, that's positive reinforcement. Good job, right? You're, you're hiring your voice to get the dog excited when they do something. Yay. Or maybe you're even giving them a piece of food. And then when we're enforcing things, so we'll say heal, uh, as you move forward. And again, like the only time that you're enforcing behaviors outside of a dangerous scenario, uh, is when the dog knows it. So it's not fair to enforce something they don't know. So mm-hmm. it so what the prong collar does is it keeps the dog in control. So you're using it's not a like I don't want you to have the mindset of what's the best tool to hang on to my dog to get away from the situation. I want you to be able to precision precisely move through scenarios with the control of your voice. Mm-hmm. So, so the dog, and this goes for anything with obedience. And this is why we've seen so much success with our training program over the years is because we have that really nice, empathetic, fair balance to, I think mm-hmm. how, how we would, how I, I know I raise children or I am and it's, and so you want to say, Hey, I'm going to teach you how to walk nicely on a leash in a clinical out of context environment. This is what heal is. This is what recall is, how to come back. This is what sit is. This is what place is. You have to teach them the fundamental ABCs first. 
that way. And the reason why we do that is because we want our dogs to, or our kids even to be polite yeah. in, in the world, right? Like we, they need to know how to talk. They need to know how to communicate. They need to know yes and please and thank you and all this stuff. And so when you're out, I again, like the tool isn't the, the crutch of like – this is what I want to, this is what I'm going to walk my dog with. It, your dog should know what you're saying. And then the tool just enforces it. If your dog decides to say, and that, and that's where it, things go sideways for people. And that's where it's going sideways for you is when you go out and you say heal and he's like, but if I don't heal, you're not going to do anything. And so he's, it's a marketing game. He's choosing that billboard of the other dog or the squirrel or whatever. And so when you're out, the objective is to use your voice to say, copper heel. And he's like, okay. And sometimes it's a bit of suppression and sometimes it's even a bit of compulsion because he's like, yeah, but there's a squirrel or in the context of a dog, just simply walking by on a leash with an owner. And he's like, I don't know if I like that dog. You're like heel. And he's like, I got to, so you're using this like, Hey man, I know it's Friday night, but you got to get this test done. You got to do your homework. You got to clean up your room. Like it's going to be this, you have to have that. Like, I know you don't want to, cause you'd rather just go bum rush that dog and check their ID, but you have to heal. Cause I don't want to yeah. get dragged. So don't think of it mm -hmm. as like, <clears throat> you know, a hanging on system. Like you've been doing, you should be able to just power steer your dog through certain scenarios with your voice. Yeah. That makes sense. And I get the whole like perspective. I teach kindergarten. So like, I feel like all the time I relate dog training yep. to kindergarten. It just, it, it sounds like silly to say, but it's a very similar approach of like, 100%. like understanding where he's coming from. And so, and that's where I'm like, I don't like, if there's a tool that works, every dog is different. So like my brother's dog, like they play together once a week. He has a golden and, and he is just like, like, uh, they didn't really do anything and he's a great dog. And mm -hmm. so then you have this kind of a dog. So I love him, but like, he's just, he takes work and, um, yeah, it's just, it's just a lot to navigate. But, um, one more thing on walks when, when he, would you apply the same thing if he like, sees a person like sometimes he sees a person he doesn't care and sometimes he sees a person he starts to growl but it's not like a like it's not like a bearing teeth I want to go out you growl it's just like a like a low growl would you pop the collar then and just like move on because he kind of like he doesn't go at a person but sometimes he'll just growl at a person yeah and I I have a window, like the one right behind me, it's my front window and there's the couch in front of it because I just didn't want to give him like free access to look out the window all day because he'll growl sometimes at things that grow by, but I try to correct it not to like, not to get upset at him at the growl, but just like redirect, like I'll just tell him to go to place if he starts growling or something to like break it up here, but I know it can all be related and stuff. Yeah, it's a good question, and I think yeah. it's, um, you, 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 I think it's discretionary on how you feel like, like why he's doing that and his his um, maybe his his intentions behind it. I think it's 
I think yeah. it like for me, if I was okay, and again, I'm trying to put in my perspective, honestly, if my dog were to be growling at somebody randomly mm-hmm. as I'm walking by, I don't, as long as my dog like isn't pulling or actively like trying to do anything, I don't know if I would personally do anything only because my dog's never had a history of being aggressive towards people ever. Um, yeah, and he- right. So I don't know if it's like a, if it's like a, I'm protecting you or he's just kind of letting you know, like, Hey, like I'm kind of suspicious of that person, maybe be, for whatever reason, who knows, um, you know, uh, we don't, yeah. you, you know, so. It was so, a grandma. That's what got me. That's what literally when I signed up for you and it was when he growled at a grandma, I'm like, yeah. no, thank you, copper. Yeah. So, and dogs can just like do things, you know, dogs are weird. It could be the hair. It could be what they're wearing. It could be their perfume. It, mm-hmm. But again, like if the dog doesn't have any like history of doing anything about it or having malicious intent behind it. It's like, okay, that's weird. Why are you doing that? But I don't like, again, I'm putting my myself as a dog owner. If I'm out walking my dog and, and my dog is perfectly healing and minding her own business, but she looks at somebody walking and she goes, and just, I, I, I would just be more like, huh, that was weird. But I don't think I would do anything about it. Now, mm-hmm. if the growl, led to other things, then I would, so, okay, so there's tiers of things, right? So again, just like with children's behavior or or human behavior, if they start off with like this, like, I'm angry, and then you know that like every time they say I'm angry, they end up throwing a fit and, and crying and spitting and puking, and you're like, this is where this goes every time, and you know that there's a pattern there. That's where you would correct the behavior at its at its first sign. So yeah. if he's not doing any of that and he's kind of just being like, hey, there's somebody here. Mm-hmm. It's discretionary. If you did it, I don't think it would be bad. Um, but to, for me, I try to be really clear about like clarity. And mm-hmm. if you're if you're really focusing on like the reactivity towards other dogs, I would be like, that is an absolute no. Like you cannot react like that. Yeah. So yeah, it's weird. Yeah. It's not even like a lunch. It's kind of just as you described it. He does like, he does like, like put his body, like his ears go up, you know, and he'll like look and do that growl. But I'll just kind of like pull, you know, like, Hey, let's go. And, um, I would say like nine out of 10 times he like breaks in that moment. Yeah. And then that time he just still wants to focus. And then I'm like, no, like we're just walking. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that you can do too, is like, if you have a dog that gets kind of sus like that. So like sometimes dogs will like what you just said is they see somebody. So they're putting their ears up and they're, they're basically just saying like, Hey, mm-hmm. I see that. I see that person there. You know what I mean? And then what you can do is, you like I usually do like a quick little inside turn. So if I'm out with a dog and they have a history of getting a little suspicious or a little reactive towards other dogs, I'll just be in a heel and they're on my left side and I'll just turn into them and cut them off and spin them the other way for like three steps and then I'll go back the other way. And that typically will drop that build down. But again, if it's if it's not leading to anything other than just vocalizing to let you know that somebody's there. Yeah. 
I, I just, um, you know, like I said, I, I just would want you to have so much clarity that he may just be like, hey, there's somebody here. And you're like, okay, cool. It's just me. So, like, he naturally has that. Like, like dogs don't know. Like, when people are like, oh, I'm glad my dog's a guard dog. I'm like, well, your dog can't discern all the time. Like, what's mm-hmm. a good thing? So, I feel like if they have that tendency, that's kind of our job to do that. You know, like, I don't want you, I don't want you doing that. But it does, I think for, like, a standard rule, um, like, I have a personality that's more, like, I'm going to think worst case scenario. So, like, like if I, like, I don't, I don't put him at the groomer because in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, what if there's a dog there that, like, they got into it or, like, stuff like that or, um, like, when taking him to the pet store I like I went to the pet store last week to pick something up after this like bite and then there is literally a guy and he had the leash on the ground for his pit bull in the pet store and I was like okay we're gonna go but I think in my mind I just go to like worst case scenario like what if he reacts wrong in a situation that's like where he is wrong because now he perceives like, like a dog as a threat where it's because of this instance, or is it just like a one hit wonder kind of a thing from this? Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's a great question. I would say it's kind of like a, it's a very binary for me. Okay. This is how, this is how it is for me. If I'm, Mm -hmm. if I have a dog, yeah, if if I'm not out seeking my dog to play with other dogs, mm-hmm. whether it's my dog or or a client's dog, I'm yeah. not I'm not like the, it just it's just like a no like I don't like I just give mm-hmm. like I if I see like if I'm you know it's just a no it's just like it it's not happening so um. I understand what you're saying and and the concerns and I'm the same way. Like I, I, I do that all the time. I have like really, I mean, because I've seen so much too, you know, I have like these intrusive thoughts all the time of like, I, I play through this whole scenario happening and it's like a movie. It's like a movie. Right. And I'm like, wait a minute, that never happened. And it's never going to happen. What, you know, where, where, wake up. So I'm the same way. uh, And so that, I think that that's normal, but um, I, I just think like you just, you have to protect your own and you have to advocate for your own dog. And if you don't put yourself into those situations, then they, the, the, the likelihood of them happening are minimal. So again, like you're, you walk into a store, I mean, it's, you know, from it's tough. Cause I, I don't want to, I hate being like the negative Nancy, but it's like, honestly, no, I'm- it's okay yeah if you want to be successful like bring your dog to the store but keep them in the car and go in and get what you need and then leave because i mean i like to bring my dog in the store too but but i'm always head on a swivel too so i'm always thinking of the worst case scenario because i've been in situations and i i work with so many clients all over the world and i hear all the crazy shit that happens and so i'm also very on it um not on edge like i'm pretty calm when I bring my dog anywhere, but I know that I can control her. And if I'm in it, like if I see a dog, I just won't go down that aisle. I'm like, nope. So don't feel like you have to, and I know you don't, it's just. Well, I just feel like, am I, 
it, I'm not on the socialization hype of like my dog needs to meet every dog. And like, I just don't think that's beneficial, but I also know that if I don't, if he's not in certain scenarios and like, how, how is he going to learn right, the right things? And so like, it's not so much the pet store. That's like every once in a while, but like, I guess it's just, my instinct is like, I'm going to bring you nowhere. You're going to meet no one. And like, that's not realistic for him. So I'm like, how can I have just a balanced life for yeah. him? That's like not, yeah, that, that he can still be safe and like make good choices too. Yeah. It's hard. So my answer would be, you have to find the dogs that you know are going to be friendly. So mm -hmm. if you see if so if you're out and you see that wiggle butt coming over like oh my god there's copper right and and you're like and and the person is already like oh it's another golden and you're like okay this is happening at that moment you just have to like you have to unveil and be like okay this is happening but you can see the dog that's approaching is not a threat and so yeah but what if my dog now is like doesn't like that dog for whatever reason? Right. You know? But that's 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 that was gonna be my next thing is so there's one mm -hmm. option to just say like if you know that fifty percent of the what if is gone, because there's fifty mm -hmm. fifty. It's your dog and the other dog. If the other dog comes up and is like and you just can see this is like the happiest little submissive dog ever. The first mm -hmm. thing that's going to come to your mind is, is this dog friendly? You're like, okay, check it is. And then immediately after that, you're going to go, oh God, what if my dog goes after this, this nice dog? And so again, like I just, I, I stay clear of that a hundred percent. And I, to me, it's no, I think in the professional, like the professional dog training world, like if you walked into school and you said like, this is what we, oh yeah, this is what we teachers do. All of us, all of us do this. Nobody else mm -hmm. does this, but us like dog trainers, like we do not let that happen. We don't let our dogs meet other dogs. We don't let, we just, it's just because it just creates bad stuff. So if you have dogs that know each other, so it's like, okay, well, how does my dog meet other dogs? Well, that's a different story, but I would just like, you, you have to advocate and say, oh no, no, no. Like uh, my dog's in training or Again, like if I'm in a store and I see another dog, I'm going the other way. So out of the context of the dogs running outside without an owner, you can pretty much dodge every scenario with other dogs as long as you're paying attention. And I feel like I I generally can. I just don't know if I I could do better. Like um like I want him to be able to walk past the dog on a sidewalk. Is that realistic? Because I usually just U-turn it. Yes. And, or like wider berth to go around. Yes. But there's two things is, well, three, I guess. How big is the sidewalk? How's the other dog? And how is, so if you have your dog on the left and the other dog is on their left, the dogs are going to pass. And there's, to, to have yeah. them say like, don't look at the other dog. That's not going to happen. So you just have to, like, if you're out walking with your dog and you see another dog walking, you may just put your dog on the other side. And that's where your heel comes in though. That's where mm -hmm. the obedience comes in. Cause you may say like, I'll switch my dog over here to the right side. And as we pass the dog on their left, they're going to, my dog's going to be on the outside and we're going to be good. 
That's possible, okay. but you have to have good enough obedience to obtain like obtain that successfully. Like that's the thing is that is like, oh man. Like you can think all the dog owners would be like, oh, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? If it's mm-hmm. amazing, it takes hard work, period. If you're yeah. thinking in your head, like, wow, what a dream. If that's what you mm-hmm. think about a behavior with your dog, it's going to take hard work to get to that point. Unless you have, again, like those unicorn dogs where you're like, oh, my brother's yeah. got a dog that doesn't even know how to pull on a leash. And it's like, yeah, but that's, it's not your dog. So, so, but then it's the other dog too. So you're out and you're, there's, there's, there's definitely like safe avoidance too. You're out with copper walking really nicely on a heel, minding your own business. There's another dog that's on a flexi pulling and darting towards you. That's where you then say like, okay, I'm avoiding this or I'm just going to pull off to the side, let them pass and then move forward. That doesn't, yeah. that doesn't affect your training. And in fact, you're basically like, I'm in charge here because I have the control dog and you don't, therefore you don't care enough to understand that it's disrespectful for and rude for your dog to come up to mine. So you just control the situation. You pull off to the side, you put your dog into a sit. Now you control everything. You can control the human. Hey, hey nope. Like my dog's mm-hmm. not friendly. Like, and, and it's not even, it doesn't even have to be that. Like you can just make it really obvious. And like, I, I was on a walk I, the other day in my neighborhood and these, um, it was a family with a small dog on a flexi leash, the retractables with a, oh, with a cup, yeah. with a couple small kids. And I had Lakota, my dog, and she doesn't like other dogs necessarily that she mm-hmm. doesn't, she just wants to work. She's all work. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't want to play. She's not that dog. Very rarely, once a year, maybe she'll play with a dog because she just doesn't want to. So anyway, little kid dropped the flexi leash. Dog comes running up to us, flexi leash dragon. So at that point, I just grabbed the flexi leash and gave it back to him because I'm like, there's no, so you, it's, you got to read the room. You know, Mm -hmm. there's this like that, that coolness, I guess you have to have of like, do I want to educate this young couple walking through the neighborhood with their kids and their dog that I'm never probably going to see again about how irresponsible this is and who, and what I do for a living. And no, 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 I'm just going to, Oh wait, I got it for you. I'll put my dog in a sit. I'll give them the flexi and move on. So you have to yeah. just, you have to be sometimes when you put in all the work, mm-hmm. you're, re, you are responsible for the situation. All the weight is unfortunately and crazily on you. Everyone but else. Because it's like, I like, you can do what you can. And I think like, I want to be more confident in that. Like, and I think it comes through training, but like, if a scenario happens, you can't predict it. But like, I want to be confident that like, I can control everything that is in my extent to control. And like, I've, no, that I've like put in what I need to help him be successful. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, we did a video yesterday with my training staff. We had these two dogs that were um, battling. So I, so this is goes this goes into what you were just saying. They're like BFFs. They live with each other. Um, they've grew up with each other. They're staff dogs. So they're mm-hmm. like going crazy, like full on, like best friends. And yeah, my dog. Yeah. So, so I talked about this in this video about like, um, your obedience can solve. Like people don't understand like when they have behavioral problems or even behavioral quirks that they're like, yeah, my dog doesn't really, my dog plays too rough or whatever. My point is, is they were able to rec- so they recalled one dog away. 
off the mm-hmm. play, and then the other dog that was playing was in a down. So they said, mm-hmm. they said Zora down, boom, Tuco come, and and because of their obedience, that was able to. So my point is, is like, the more control that you have with your dog, the better off that you will be. It's just like if you go to the racetrack with a car and you're like, I've practiced for years, I know exactly what I'm doing. You're gonna see everyone else fishtailing all over the road and in the ditch, and you're gonna be going through the path. And that's really what you should be focusing on is, again, with my dog, Lakota, I see this mm-hmm. catastrophe happening in front of me <laughs> and I'm mm-hmm. like, go to downstay. And then I greet the dog. I take the, and they're like, oh, thanks. They don't realize like what is happening, what could have happened, yeah. how rude it is. And it's ignorance, right? So it's, it's not rude really, because they don't even know that it, that that's a thing. They're like, oh. Would it have been bad if our dog ran up to your dog and barked? And of course the dog was like at my dog and she's like, you know, so, but, but yeah. So, so again, like if you have good control, you should be able to pretty much do anything, but unfortunately your head is going to have to be on a swivel because other people just don't have control. Very few people have a trained dog out out there. Do you, do you think it's the prong collar should be used all the time, like go into the vet, stuff like that? Or do you think it's just for like those training times? Well, my answer would be the prong collar is, is to help you in the beginning stages of teaching your dog with enforcement. So it teaches your dog, like there's consequences for things. And if you do that, I don't want to say if you do it right, because there's also dogs that you need the prong collar with because they're just, they overpower you. So physically Mm -hmm. they overpower you. So like my wife is 105 pounds soaking wet. And when my St. Bernard Thompson was alive at 150 pounds, she would Mm -hmm. always put no matter he, he was so trained and he was a St. Bernard. So, but Mm -hmm. if he wanted to go and do something, he he weighs, he's, he's stronger than her, right? He's bigger than her. So um, I, w- I would like to say that like the, the prong collar only is for your dogs in the beginning stages, but realistically, um, it's the usage more than the wear. So if you're okay. out, like I see people all the time out with prong collars and they're, I'm like, it loses it's not, its value. Exactly. And it's not the point. Like if you're doing it that much, you probably shouldn't be on the road if you're all always in a ditch. So think about it like that, um, that it's like the, the only there's really no reason why you wouldn't put it on. There's only benefits of like, you know, if I go out to the vet or I go to the groomer and, you know, whatever happens and my dog wants to pull or my dog wants to go do something, you're going to be like, man, I wish I brought something with him. Cause that's really what it comes down to is it's going to be currency over what, whatever you have. The dog's like, you know, there's a pit bull behind a crate sitting there growling at your dog at the kennel and you're, you're coming up and your dog's like at the end of the leash and that's what it comes down to is like, yeah, your dog knows recall, your dog knows heal. But at the end of the day, there's going to be scenarios where you're, I mean, think about you, you, ten, you teach kindergarten, how many times every day do kids come in and knowing better, but they're like, yeah, but one more gummy or yeah, I didn't mean to like how many, th- I mean, that's just life. So the, yeah. the prong caller is just your ability to communicate. And again, the, the question comes up a lot. Think about it more of the usage, though. So when you put it on, it's just a necklace. But if you yeah. need to engage it, then you know you're either in a scenario where you're just not you need some work on, or or it's just like a realistic crazy scenario where you know shit's going down, and you're like, yeah, we didn't we didn't train for this, bud. So 
Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, listen, thank you so much for your time. And I am just so thankful to talk through it because I talk through it with like my coworkers. They're like, we don't want to hear one more thing. about." <laughs> so um, I feel like this is helpful and sure. should put it in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. And, and I would just like go back to some of my some of my like, you know, basic obedience videos on my channel. Uh, and I go, mm-hmm. I go over like, especially my older videos is very like, I did like the same video over and over again, teaching people how to walk their dogs and just mm-hmm. kind of like, there's some, there's some footage. I remember of like the dog walking past my legs and then doing the proper pop. And then I have some videos in the proper prong collar positioning. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I think if you just get all that buttoned up, you'll be fine. And you know, when you, do everything you can to when you go outside to avoid the houses that have dogs. And I think you guys will be fine. All right. Well, thank you so much. Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Now it's time for the end of the podcast. And the first question comes from mind mindfully Mac favorite dog podcast. Hi Tom. I love all your content. Love the podcast. Being able to listen to you and learn uh, on drives brings so much joy to my life. Thank you for everything that you put out. Your training style helped me raise the absolute best dog. I couldn't thank you enough as I was, complete novice before I got him with your content. I was able to set him up for success in every aspect, except one thing I had a question about. I have a three-year-old doodle who was attacked by two large dogs in December of 21 who pinned him down. Although I was able to pick him up, uh, so no physical harm was done. Plenty of psychological damage was the result. Since the attack, we've been dealing with some leash reactivity as well as barking at the, in the car. He still does great with dogs he knew and trusted before the attack though he's a very structured dog and he knows his rules and he very seldomly pushes limits even when he does a change in tone fixes him up pretty quickly we train daily from at least 10 to 15 minutes and we walk him to burn out him mentally and it's always been like that i've tried positive reinforcement approach tried correcting the behavior uh, when he lunges and barks at these dogs as well as him fixating what's the best timing or should the approach by getting him finally over it Uh, i honestly do not expect him to be fine with other dogs although i'd like a second dog eventually i just want him to relax and trust that i've got this um my recommendation is try to do some soaking so instead of like going out and trying to figure out when's the right time to reward and when's the right time to punish i would go out and just soak your dog in situations so get around a lot of other dogs uh, in a structured way not like a daycare or not like a doggy park or anything like that. I would just go out into a downtown area and just work on being around other dogs. Um, I would also just be working on, so instead of just using positive reinforcement to reward the dog when they do make a good decision to not bark or to use a correction when the dog barks, I would heavily be working on engagement. So, hey, pay attention to me. This is what we're doing next. The dog walks by. Yes. So you're building confidence. Um, Like we talked about in the beginning of this podcast of like, if a dog walks by 20 times and the dog reacted the first three times, but then didn't, and then kind of got a different feel for what dogs are, that's building confidence. That's getting better. So that's what I would do is I'd be working on like, hey, pay attention to me. So instead of going out, so you could do two things. Instead of going out and being like, hey, what decisions are you going to make? I would go out and be around other dogs with engagement. So tying in what I said with soaking and then like, hey, pay attention to me. This is what's important. Um, that's what I would do. Instead of just working on like, what do you, what decision are you going to make? I'm going to be like, don't worry about the other dogs. Pay attention to me. So having heavy distra- or heavy uh, re- or 
high rewards, uh, so food, toys, balls, whatever your dog loves, fasting your dog if they love food, um, and going out and saying, hey, look what I can do. Uh, food luring past other dogs, so contact food luring where the dog is uh, eating the treat out of your hand and you're luring by. All that fun stuff. Um, so anyway, next one, uh, Pitbull Rescue Mom. Love it. You're amazing. The podcast is great. In all my years of owning dogs, this new rescue is a challenge. He is so sensitive and emotional, it seems like seems to be all terrier. He's nine months old, 30-pound American Pitbull Terrier and Staffy Terrier, according to his DNA results. I have acquired a trainer who recommended your podcast and book on top of training. I don't have a book, uh, but I know that you were just talking about a book. But I just want to let everybody know, like, where's your book? I don't have a book. Maybe I'll have a book at some point. I have had two training sessions and we are working on leash control, sit, place, and your normal obedience. Or, yeah. We have just added a collar as an additional tool because I'm having issues controlling him through the leash and we discussed a prong collar may not work well with his redirective issues right now. My issue is like Dr. Jekyll and me, Hyde. Uh, my 21-year-old toad can't freely walk through the house. He has bitten my husband on a correction one minute and he's loving my friends the next he is attacking he has been kicked out of daycare until his attitude is adjusted there's also a question of lime he was recently treated for i just want the aggression to seize or i will be able to control it better i know obedience comes um so to me it just seems like shout out to your trainer by the way to me it just seems like you have the dog has have too much freedom so to me, that's what it comes down to is this dog has too much freedom to make bad decisions. So um, if he is randomly attacking anybody under any circumstances, he should never be off leash in the house making decisions because he's going to make a mistake and ultimately it's going to be your fault. Um, so I would be really working on control inside the house and desensitizing the people that live there um, to give him a fair chance to realize that these people are part of the house. Um, and also muzzle training. I would start muzzle training immediately. If you have a dog that is Jekyll and Hyde and is like fine one minute and then the next minute is not, um, uh, that way you can get him around people safely. Um, yeah. So that's what I would recommend. Muzzle training, conditioning, and then less room for error pretty much. Uh, make it small. Keep this. If this dog is making decisions that can ultimately hinder his life or put other people at risk, make his make his world smaller. He doesn't. He. I don't want to say he doesn't deserve a bigger world because of course he does, but he hasn't earned it. Okay. All right. Next, uh, Bacon Maven training with mobility problems. Hey Tom, I love the podcast. Long story short, my friend's mom got two puppies for Christmas against everyone's recommendations, and she did, and she got them anyway. Um, and she doesn't know anything about training dogs. She let them play together all day, every day with no intervention and no training to keep them separate. I offered to take one of them to train so they can focus on the other training until it's housebroken. I've worked with her for a couple of sessions now to give her corrections and basic structure thresholds, keeping a schedule, putting in a couple of training sessions a day with a puppy, which she is doing some of the time, um, but it's hard to really say how much the puppy... I have has come a long way in doing fine with training. So you took a puppy and left one. My question is, since, since she is an older woman and has arthritis in her hands and is not very fast, do you have suggestions on tool or methods to help her be able to train the puppy herself to say stay safe and fairness to the dog? We will be doing more sessions together and teaching her how to become a better dog handler and are currently using your slip lead, which I have success using my puppy, but the woman is still learning how to use it. Which ultimately means that sometimes she doesn't know what she's doing with the puppy and the dog reacts um, and then the dog just chokes themselves out. Um, I'm tentative about moving to the prong collar because I'm not sure 
what to do. It's a great question. Very valid. Uh, we deal with this all the time at the facility. I would say switch to the plastic pinch collar. That is a hybrid between a slip leash and a prong collar. So it still gives you the opportunity to have that uh, really precision-based correction if fit properly. Um, but without causing like if a, if a handler is very novice um, and they, do, you know, do an unfair correction, it's not going to be, uh, you know, too detriment to the dog and it's not going to be unfair. Um, so that's what I would do is I would uh, use a uh, plastic pinch collar, get a small, you can get it from Starmark or um, Chewy or Amazon. Um, and that's a good hybrid. I get the small version and I would be using that with the safety clip that you can get off my uh, website. And that's a good, I, I totally understand what you're saying. This lady needs more control because she's old, she has arthritis and she can't control this dog and the dog needs structure, but you don't want her to overcorrect the dog or unfairly correct the dog with a prong because it's dog too sensitive and it may not make not sense, make things worse. So get a nice hybrid. Um, and the slip collar isn't enough. Get a hybrid, get the uh, plastic pinch and see how that goes. Uh, and then I would just swap dogs, you know, maybe that you can get the groundwork in. All right, you guys love you so much. Thank you for watching, listening everything. Appreciate you guys. Talk to you next week. Bye. Save big on brunch for mom all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or seven up all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.